0: I try to do my best to not talk about anything too topical on this podcast, but I do have to talk about a very important person who passed away recently. On September 18th, 2020, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died at her home in Washington, D.C. Ginsburg, who was 87 years old, had been battling pancreatic cancer for years. Calling Ginsburg a trailblazer in the field of law is an understatement. Appointed by President Bill Clinton in 1993, Ginsburg was the second woman on the Supreme Court after Sandra Day O'Connor, and she was also the first Jewish woman and the first Democratic woman on the Supreme Court. She paved the way for several other women to serve on the bench, including Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, and her likely successor, Amy Coney Barrett. She authored some of the most influential opinions in cases relating to women's rights, racial equality, and individual liberties. At the time of her death, she was considered one of the most liberal justices on the Supreme Court. However, at the time of her appointment, she was a key swing vote on the Supreme Court. So what changed? Well, let's break down the composition of the 2020 Supreme Court against the 1993 Supreme Court. It's easiest to measure the political leanings of the current justices by grouping them into four categories. First, you have the staunch liberals, a label generally given to Democrats Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Stephen Breyer. Then, there are the moderate liberals, Democrats Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor. Next up are the moderate conservatives, Republicans Chief Justice John Roberts and maybe Neil Gorsuch depending on how you define moderate. And finally, you have the staunch conservatives, Republican Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, and perhaps the most socially conservative politician in America right now, Clarence Thomas. If I just described your favorite justice as an ideology that isn't what you thought they were, please don't get mad at me, these groupings are entirely subjective. Now, you might notice that the liberals and conservatives are split entirely along party lines. That's just an example of how polarized American politics have become. In 1993, these groups were much more porous. Back then, there were really only three conservatives, Republicans Antonin Scalia, Clarence Thomas and Chief Justice William Rehnquist, and two liberals, Republicans Harry Blackman and John Paul Stevens, on the Supreme Court. The remaining justices, Republicans Sandra Day O'Connor, Anthony Kennedy, and David Souter, as well as Ginsburg, a Democrat, were all swing votes who were willing to work with each other on many situations. So really, it's not like Ginsburg became more liberal, the Supreme Court just became too polarized for swing voters to exist in any capacity. Regardless of whether it was Ginsburg or the Supreme Court who changed, one of Ginsburg's most important cases occurred near the start of her tenure. In this case, Ginsburg led the majority and wrote the opinion in a case that forced one of the oldest military schools in the country to open its doors to women. I'm going to tell you all about it, right now, on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 20th episode of this podcast, and I'm excited for you to listen to this one special thank you to patreon subscriber sodak zach if you want to receive a shout out in every episode among other benefits help support this podcast by going to patreon.com historiaobscura historia obscura and becoming a patron one more thing make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of historia obscura Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. The Virginia Military Institute was established in 1839. It is one of the most prestigious military colleges in the world. Its alumni include comedian and film director Mel Brooks, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, and U.S. Army General George Patton. However, VMI wasn't always for everyone. In 1866, the first Jewish cadet graduated from VMI, American sculptor Moses Jacob Ezekiel. In 1927, the first Asian cadet graduated, Taiwanese Army General Sun Li Jin. In 1968, the first black cadets were admitted to VMI following the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1968. However, up until 1996, half of the population was ineligible to enroll at VMI. Until then, the rules of the institute prevented women from attending it. It was the final public university in the U.S. to allow women to attend. Because of this, in 1990, the Department of Justice, led by Attorney General Dick Thornburg, filed a discrimination lawsuit against the Virginia Military Institute and the state of Virginia. In the hopes of getting the DOJ to drop the suit, the state of Virginia established the Virginia Women's Institute for Leadership at Mary Baldwin College in Staunton, Virginia. Despite this, Thornburg determined that this new school didn't possess the same valor and prestige as VMI, so the DOJ maintained the suit. When it went to trial in 1991, the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Virginia ruled in favor of VMI. The DOJ appealed in 1995, but the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 4th District once again ruled in favor of VMI. The DOJ appealed yet again, and the case made it to the Supreme Court in 1996. This is where the makeup of the Supreme Court comes into play. Since Ruth Bader Ginsburg's appointment to the Supreme Court in 1993, only one justice had been replaced. In 1994, Republican Justice Harry Blackmun retired, and he was replaced by Democratic Justice Stephen Breyer. Since Blackmun and Breyer both voted with the Supreme Court's liberal wing, this was basically no harm, no foul. As his son Jamal was enrolled at VMI at the time, Justice Clarence Thomas disqualified himself from the case, removing one crucial conservative judge. So to recap, there were now two liberals, Breyer and Stevens, two conservatives, Rehnquist and Scalia, and four swing voters, Ginsburg, Kennedy, O'Connor, and Souter. The case of United States versus Virginia was brought to the Supreme Court on January 17, 1996, with the question, Does Virginia's creation of a women's-only academy as a comparable program to a male-only academy satisfy the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause? On June 26, 1996, the Supreme Court reached a decision in United States versus Virginia. In a 7-1 decision with one abstention, Clarence Thomas as I mentioned earlier, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Department of Justice, officially striking down VMI's all-male admissions policy. As expected, the liberal wing both voted in favor of the DOJ, as did all four swing voters. In fact, the opinion of the majority was written by the shortest serving swing justice at the time, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. In the opinion, Ginsburg wrote that VMI's admissions policy violated the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. She also stated, and I quote, "...the VWIL program is a pale shadow of VMI in terms of the range of curricular choices and faculty stature, funding, prestige, alumni support, and influence." Each conservative justice voted in a different way. Justice Clarence Thomas, as I previously mentioned, had recused himself. Chief Justice William Rehnquist concurred with the majority, stating in his concurrence that it could have been possible for the state of Virginia to maintain a separate but equal military institute for women without violating the 14th Amendment. In his words, it is not the exclusion of women that violates the Equal Protection Clause, but the maintenance of an all-men's school without providing any, much less a comparable, institution for women. It would be a sufficient remedy, I I think if the two institutions offered the same quality of education and were of the same overall caliber. The sole dissenter, Justice Antonin Scalia, said in his dissent, and I quote, If the question of the applicable standard of review for sex-based qualifications were to be regarded as an appropriate subject for reconsideration, the stronger argument would be not for elevating the standard to such strict scrutiny, but for reducing it to a rational basis review. A close friend of Justice Ginsburg, Justice Scalia made sure to provide her with a copy of his dissent to incorporate into her majority opinion. To this, Ginsburg later said, He absolutely ruined my weekend, but my opinion is ever so much better because of his stinging dissent. As a result of the decision in United States versus Virginia, pretty much any laws were struck down that, in the words of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, denied to women simply because they are women full citizenship stature, equal opportunity to aspire, achieve, participate in, and contribute to society. As for VMI itself, they actually briefly considered going private to circumvent the decision. Because of this, Assistant Secretary of Defense Frederick Pang threatened to remove the ROTC program from VMI if they became a private institution. This threat struck a nerve with some people and in 1997, Congress actually passed a resolution prohibiting the Department of Defense from withdrawing the ROTC from six schools, including VMI. This could have enabled VMI to go private without repercussions and remain an all-male school, but by this point, they had already started admitting women. The first female cadets enrolled at VMI in August of 1997 and they would later graduate as members of the class of 2001. In this first class, there were just 30 women who attended VMI. 20 years after VMI started admitting women, in 2017, that number was 63. As for the justices who presided over the case, only two of them, Stephen Breyer and Clarence Thomas, remain on the Supreme Court today. In 2006, Sandra Day O'Connor retired and was replaced by Samuel Alito, who was born in Trenton, New Jersey. In 2009, David Souter retired and was replaced by Sonia Sotomayor. In 2010, John Paul Stevens retired and was replaced by Elena Kagan. In 2016, Antonin Scalia, who was also born in Trenton, New Jersey, died at the age of 79 and was replaced by Neil Gorsuch. In 2018, Anthony Kennedy retired and was replaced by Brett Kavanaugh. And in 2020, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died at the age of 87. Her successor will most likely be Amy Coney Barrett. Rest in peace, RBG. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I really wanted to give a fitting tribute to such an influential Supreme Court justice. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.